0: Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Carp News Podcast. I'm your host Joel Harbour and I'm delighted to be bringing you a number of podcasts over the coming months. We'll be talking all things carpy right here in the USA, everything from the history of carp angling right up to current times and absolutely everything in between. So whether you're out on the road or on a session waiting for a fish or just relaxing in the comfort of your own home, grab yourself a drink, take the weight off and sit back as I'm delighted to connect you with a number of guests right here on the Big Carp News podcast. Our next guest is known all over for his outreach to anglers new to the world of carp. He's not only known in his local community, but throughout many states all over the US and is referred to as a legend, mentor and top carp angler by many. His dedication, passion and countless hours spent giving back to the carp angling community by way of the carp anglers group is admired by many. From pioneering huge waters for carp to designing custom built rods, it's my pleasure to introduce Mr Gilbert Huxley. I have got talking with a couple of guys and they few of them suggested that you would be a, a, a great person to have on just because of your history in the carp scene in the u.s oh yes it's been a big big passion of mine for many years now um it's one one thing i do enjoy to find out is you know how it all began for uh, the individual angular so yourself i know i think i read over um, a while back on um, one of the one of the director's pages obviously you're quite um a big part of the um I forget what it was now. I think it was one of the Wild the Wild Carp Club. Do you still are you still part of that?
1: Well that Wild Carp Club uh sort of went went down and under. Okay. Um uh, Carp Anglers group was where I really was strong in.
0: Now um, obviously I, before all that you was you were carp angling before all CAG and everything as well, right?
1: Well yes, not but very long before that though. I, I was a pay laker. Okay. Well, that's an interesting that's subject in itself, heart.
0: isn't
1: it? <laughs> yes, uh, I caught one in the wild catfishing. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm a catch and release anyway. And yeah. when I caught this 10-pound carp, I thought it was a 20-pound cat. You know, it's, it fought so hard
0: <laughs> sure, comparing sure.
1: to a catfish. So when I brought it to the surface, that was the last thing. I never fished for anything else again after that.
0: Isn't that funny how it changes you? One fish like that, and it was just, it was on. That was it.
1: It was instant. I started, and then when the computer age started,
0: yeah,
1: uh, and then I found Carp Anglers Group, actually, Carp R Us, uh, out of the UK.
0: I, I know, I know that, that that branch of, uh, yeah, the Carp R Us guys. Well, yeah, that yeah.
1: was the first one I joined, and, one of the guys there was a member of Carp Rangers group, and he told me that I needed to go ahead and, and join that club because they were talking way over my head because I was a <laughs> brand-new carper other than, you know, in a pay leg. But yeah. they were talking about doubles and, you know, and stuff like that. i like, what the heck are these guys <laughs> talking about?
0: Right, But right. Uh, now, I can, now I can talk with them 100%. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, now – before you know your time with CAG and and, every, and any other groups that you've obviously been part of, how did your angling and or fishing in general start? Like um, obviously from a young age, or yeah, um, I'm a,
1: used to take me cat and bluegill fishing and stuff, and and never really knew anything about the carp uh, until that first one that I hooked, and uh, I knew it was a carp, but I had never ever caught one or tried to catch one. So that was uh, many, many years ago, and and then it would become uh, an addiction, of course, a passion for me, but it was really, the Pay Lake is where I really got the start, Um, even though the first face I caught was in the wild, but everybody snickered and made faces at me, and went ahead and, and always kidded me about being a carp fisherman here in the United States. <laughs> so I dealt with that, but I joined the Pay Lakes, and I was there for 11 years. And uh, I just I got tired of the rule changes, Tell me what sure. I could use in my bait and what I could not do and what I could do. I thought, I'll hold it here. I'm an angler, and that's one of the things about being a good angler is yeah. different everybody. But Absolutely. they always try to everybody look the same and do the same and catch
0: those sorry fish. I really feel sorry for those fish also because I, they I really think a lot get... of people feel the same, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a different side aspect of fishing, isn't it? The pay lake stuff. I mean, it's, oh,
1: yes, it is. It's all about money. It's about yeah. the job. It's about the big money and everything, which is fine. And, and it's, um,
0: it, I'm not going, you know, down because you know that no, 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 Again, I Again, for me and for other anglers, I think there's a a big opportunity to maybe just even not not necessarily change what they're doing, but help them grow, but in a in a safe way to you know protect the fish like we do, obviously, you know. Yeah, um, I think there's a room room for improvement, isn't here there? Here in
1: Indiana, Joel, that do take right. that step uh indy lakes you got to have a landing mat you got to okay. have a wasteland. Uh a lot of the other pay lakes are requiring landing mats but there's a couple still the same uh same syndrome with they got a carp caddy that you turn the carp <laughs> upside down and put their face in it and carry it to the bait house I'm- you know Okay. Without any kind of a support or anything, just right on their heads. But you know, that's the step because before they were carrying them in the gills to the paid house. You yes. know, right. and so put them in that carp caddy uh is is a little better step than <laughs> carrying agree. them by the gills. But uh they've done they've come a long ways and but yeah. the rule changes what drove me out of the pay lakes and I went to the wild yeah. and never went
0: back. That's never been back to a paylake all these years Blimey. What, yeah. what a thing huh now um yeah. the, obviously the the difference is in tactics do you use do you still continue to use the same paylake tactics that you do now in the wild or have you changed everything over altogether
1: oh i'm yeah i've changed over to euro 100% the full euro,
0: yeah okay yeah, <laughs> um,
1: they don't they there are some carpers at the paylakes that use the euro gear but their their intentions are totally different. Um they're they're not they're they're after the money. Yeah. you know, I'm af, I'm after finding them, holding them and catching them in oh, the wild. Okay. And and that's the thrill for me. It's not yeah. the money.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Now um obviously you have you done quite a lot of traveling over the US, um, different oh, states for the fishing, haven't you? I think I remember reading something somewhere you've done quite a bit.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I have. I've been all over the United States um, with buddies of mine and stuff Rick Slinker, the two-time national champion here in the United States. Uh him and I are really good friends and we traveled quite a bit. We in Texas 5 or year, 7 years straight for the for the team uh, championship down there. Uh we've been to New York. Uh we mm-hmm. you know all the surrounding states, Indiana, and uh, in tennessee and and uh I, we, everywhere we've we've gone everywhere where there may be any kind of an avenue for carp fishing
0: that's fantastic yeah now, um yeah. like going from going from like pay lake angling tournament like tournament stuff is that a, a big thing for you uh personally like the tournament scene you'd like doing that still I love tournaments, yeah. and, um, you know, being the
1: COVID-19, there was none this year, right? and right. so it really took a, a big chunk of my desire to to get out there and be in a competition, uh, but next year it'll start new again, but yeah, I mean, tournaments are really the highlight of wild carping here in the United States. And a lot of the guys have done some fine jobs holding these tournaments and and uh, some good prizes and you know in New York ten thousand bucks for a big fish yeah, right. and uh, you know and then ten thousand for the top four and it's a lot of money involved uh, in the wild carp and if you go to the right tournaments yeah of course they got some pretty hefty entry fees too you well, know I've
0: noticed that over the years you know I mean I'm I used to take part in. Uh, couple of the Baldwinsville events when uh, you know when they were yeah. really first kicked off you know on the seneca yeah. river and um obviously it's taken a big change in direction in terms of not only like you just mentioned the the entry uh the entry fees are, are they're quite quite substantial aren't they quite yeah they are a, a team of two it's 900 bucks and i
1: think it's gone up since even more than that um and it's 76 hours now
0: Continuous, uh, right?
1: Baldwin's turn Baldwinsville tournament in the spring is ninety is seventy-six hours long.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. like mean, I, I, I like I said, I, I used to dabble in it when I fished with, with a number of different anglers, but I just for me now that's a lot of fishing, isn't it? In for a tournament. I mean, how do you find that? you, well, you I, enjoy
1: it? <laughs> oh, I found it very exhausting for a seventy year old
0: man. <laughs>
1: um, back in my younger days, uh, it, I went in stride, and you got a teammate, and you gotta you gotta think about rest, or yeah. you're not gonna finish the that last 12 hours. Now, but see, the 76 hour Baldwinsville tournament has just been done this for I think the last two years. Okay. Um, it was Before was uh, oh I can't really dictate how long, but it was more like 50 hours, 48 hours, something like that. Got ya. And uh, that's very enjoyable. But the 76 hours, I was up there last year just to just to be there when they were having the tournament. I wasn't in the tournament. And um, those those young fellows were coming back totally wasted. I mean, uh, we, we let them come to our campsite, and they come straight to the campsite and cry for like 18 hours. They're done. They, oh, oh done. yeah. They're exhausted. I mean, these are young anglers. Yeah. I mean. In the 30s.
0: Yeah, so it takes drunk. a lot out of you, absolutely. <laughs> I don't have that in
1: me any longer to do that kind of fishing that,
0: that long a time, you know. Well, it's physically demanding, but it's mentally as well, as well, isn't it, for a lot of guys? It's a big mental it's very part. Mental. Very yeah. mental.
1: And you better be with somebody who you really respect and like, uh, because you will be on each other's nerves badly.
0: One, one and one of these you end, end up swimming.
1: <laughs> you got to tolerate that, and you, yeah you got to live with that if you want to win. And uh, it's good to have a good friend that knows when things are down that you're going to say things and, and be snippy and stuff like that. But, yeah, when you get tired, it, it really puts a change in the tournament.
0: Yeah, it can definitely make things, um, you know, like you said, cut, almost cutthroat between partners. You know, when you, you enter into something like that, you're very good friends, you buddy-buddy. By the end of it, everything could be completely opposite way couldn't it
1: <laughs> yeah it could it could land and i've known a bangler that's had that problem but right, um, right. i've never had any problems with any of one of my teammates in any of these tournaments like that we pretty well get along pretty good
0: yeah i think it's you've got to find like you said you've got to find that one guy or those few guys that you just work well with haven't you and you yeah. bounce things off of each other and bait tactics and stuff like that don't take
1: anything personal during the entire no, time. No,
0: you can't. I don't think you can. I, <laughs> I, like you yeah. said, I think one of you, you know, probably one of you end up being swimming or something.
1: <laughs>
0: but, you know, the thing about it is
1: you know, the tournaments were fine, but, you know, locally here in Indiana, uh, Stan Guido, he was a dean of Ball State University, and myself
0: self started Hoosier
1: Carpets.
0: You know what, I was going to ask you about that and how all that's going. It's grown well, over the years, hasn't uh, it? It's still it um it, it put it this
1: way, it started out me doing shows at the boat show and doing seminars about carp fishing. And for doing the seminars I got a booth for free. And I did that for right. about like nine to ten years straight. So that's how and we were doing entry, you know, trying to get people to
0: join carp angler's group and if oh, they're so to merge the two together almost like Okay, yes. that makes. Oh, wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah.
1: If you joined Tag, you were automatically a Hoosier Carper.
0: There you go. Right.
1: And I always had something to give away to anyone who joined at the show, either a 12 foot rod it. or a rod pod or something something nice that yeah.
0: they, oh, you know, my 20 bucks and I'm going to spend May win that. That's it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it really brought in.
1: Well, we it's that incentive,
0: doesn't it? It's that little incentive. And, very,
1: and, you, and you need that nowadays. I think You so. need an incentive <laughs> for the money, you know? They just yeah. don't want to put down 20 bucks and not get nothing for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the thing is, is that after five years, Hoosier Carpers became 190 strong.
0: Jeez.
1: And they stayed that way for about eight years. And when I sort of stepped down out of that, because that's a lot of work, I turned it over to the younger folks, and there's been some great people that worked hard. It's come down quite a bit, probably under 100, but right. they're still active. James Sanders, the state chairman for CAG, okay. is, a, is a Hoosier carper. Right. And um, and he has tournaments at a Westlake apartments where he works. And there are nice. numerous twenties in there and it's a hard lake. Yeah. It's a tough lake to get fish. So it becomes a real challenge at that lake.
0: I'm, I'm, well, I'm sure it does because you know over time the more it gets fished. I know I know what it's like coming from the you know, the UK waters and once more those fish get fished for, they clue up. They get very smart. They do. Gets harder they really, and harder and harder. You know a lot
1: of people think I'm full of baloney when I say that. <laughs> But they are you. very smart and they yeah. know they know for a fact that, you know, when the fish are biting, they're biting.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and that's the whole thing. If they're not, they're not. But a lot of people think that, you know, I've got some secret, you know, or no, it's no secret, just long time fishing for the same species. You know, is, is where it all came from. Yeah. That, you know, and then the one thing the other thing is is that when I became the treasurer of Carp Anglers Group, I did that for four years right. with David Moore as the president. And then he stepped down and someone took over. And I kept doing it. I did it for four years. And that's where I really got to know the United States and the anglers. That there's great anglers here in the United yeah, States.
0: Absolutely. And
1: and and the the patient that I was having, I found out there's many many anglers with the same deep passion for carp fishing as I have. And that was a big thing for me because I've always been by myself, getting laughed (laughs) at, getting snickered at. And then to find all these people that were going through the same thing that I was, was really, really pleasing. And And I'll never look back. Carp Anglers Group has been a big part of my life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great to know. And obviously, you put you've given it a lot back as well. Obviously, it's given you something, but you've put a lot back into it, haven't you? So,
1: yes, I have. With with all the zealous and and energy that I can use, and and a lot of money too. I spent a lot of money promote promote carp fishing no back doubt. in the day. When I got married, that sort of stopped. You know, no money on carp. You no, know? but uh, <laughs> except but from I, tackle, I- right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have another boss,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah. Not you my go. working
1: boss, my other boss, the main yeah, boss. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Now, um, that, I mean, obviously, aside from the fishing, it's obviously a huge part of your life, and you love doing it. But um, what, what, what else do you get your hands into? Um, are you you retired?
1: Yeah, I'm retired. Thirty yeah. years in the gasoline business.
0: Wow. Um, did very
1: well there. I mean, made a good, uh, good retirement. And then, but I drive right now for Enterprise, which is a rental car company. And I drive cars all over the States, moving cars for them and getting fresh cars out. But that's just so I won't be sitting in this carp room here that I got and just getting old and and dying, you know, and tying rigs. I must have so many rigs. You wouldn't believe I got 400 400 rigs tied. And I'm not kidding either.
0: (laughs) No, I I do believe it. Oh,
1: <laughs> for the yeah. list,
0: for the listeners here, um, I, I mean I'm looking at Gil on the, on a camera here, and for those of you that can't see, I, I can see a little bit of a backdrop in his room, and he, it looks like a very carpy uh, carpy den that you got going on there, Gil. <laughs> yep,
1: there's fox. Yeah, the stapleum, and then Beautiful.
0: you know, all Limey, the pit- Look at all that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of
1: pictures on the
0: wall. Yeah, you got. To, got to be done, though, isn't it? Got to be done.
1: it's got to be. You, know, <laughs> you can't see this here. You know, I'll turn the light over there. But it, there's all that there.
0: Line. Look at all those man. So, so you you got a lot of trophies there. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of yeah. those?
1: Yeah, uh, Hoosier Carpers. We had a tournament trail, which went um, uh, each month. We had it in different places of Indiana. And, um, it was six of them. And we had the tournament trail championship, which was the winner of each one would get together and be the grand champion. We did that. We probably uh, did that. Oh, a good 10, 11 years. And, uh, James Dolan, the owner of the old West side bait. He was the coordinator and sponsor of Hoosier Carpers and, Wow, with him behind us, we really grew. We were having 100, 110 people showing up for these tournaments. As, ent- as entrance,
0: yeah, to enter into it. Wow. Yeah,
1: 20 bucks, you know, it was cheap.
0: and That's a big turnout, and- isn't it, for such a yeah. small outlet, kind of, you know? Uh, yes. Long. Yes. And how long yeah. did that go on for? How long did it... Well, about
1: 10 years, Um, and it got to the point where <clears throat> it was getting a little... Um, strenuous on Jim okay. and on the coordinators because it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know the one that I won one of them, the main or the biggest one they had. Uh, I won that one and it was 110 anglers. And, you know, and boy, that's that biggest as Bowensville. You know, they have 52 teams with two people on it. That's 100 100 <laughs> anglers there. So, Indiana had 110 on the White River downtown Indianapolis. It's, uh,
0: it's something to think about. It really gives you a kind of paint's a picture, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. <laughs> Indiana was really growing and has stayed growing. And um, I, I would say that, you know, I, I'm not patting myself on the back, but Indiana's probably got the largest amount of carp anglers that are, are, are out and top in front of the public. You know, the the paylakers and the wild carpers, everybody here, they'll say, oh, yeah, I've heard about you guys. Or they'll come up walking on me and go, oh, yeah, I've heard about this gear. You know, and before they go, what are you fishing for? And I say, oh, monster carp. They go, oh, are you kidding? You know, (laughs) and, and they go crazy about it, you know.
0: Have you ever had that happen where, you know, a bypass has gone by, you guys, while on the river, and you've said, here, take this rod, hand them a rod, and and how does that work out?
1: (laughs) And I've hooked some people that aren't carp fishing because of that.
0: And they're still going now, probably, right?
1: Yeah. I used to carry around bank sticks with alarms on them, and I used to call it a bang stick with a brain. <laughs> you know, so yeah. and I would give those out to anyone that I really thought that they would go freaky over it. Yeah. You know, pick up the sport of carp fishing, which there has been many, many still today with full blown outfits. Now, you know, they oh, start really out yeah. with one bank stick and an alarm that I gave them. Now they're fully blown out with Euro gear.
0: Yes. It's just the way it's going, though. The growth of the sport uh, here, obviously, in the U.S., it's, it's still gro- it's growing. It's probably, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it grow over the years since you started oh, yeah. doing it. Oh, the point, Joel, that I had my own rods. This that uh, was actually my next kind of little topic I wanted to talk to you about. I know yeah. you spent quite a lot of time building hand-built rods, right, carp rods?
1: uh uh-huh. Gilbert Huxley's signature series. That was the first rod, and then the Gilbert Huxley Pro Series. Right. Um, and both of them sold out. And I had a lifetime guarantee on them, and I've only had .001% come back. They were top-quality rods, could throw a, dull, <laughs> throw a big old pack bait a mile. I believe uh, it. They were .5, but they were made out of Toray carbon fiber. The same yeah. stuff they make our golf clubs,
0: yeah.
1: And it was the first time that fiber has ever been used, but it really made a powerful, undestructible stiff rod. Really. There's no pass, and it was nothing but a ball chunker. But <laughs> no, everybody wanted those because they were undestructible. and 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 you could actually toss just like this free spirits. I could toss a five pound toaster with them. Right. I really could. Just lightly, but big enough <laughs> to sort of give it a little
0: boost. Now for the for the rod building side of it, I mean there's quite a lot of technical things that go into that. I, I mean I've even kind of dabbled in a it, simple stuff, eye replacements and whatnot myself. But how did it, all that kind of begin for you in terms of the, the rod building and stuff like that?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you, Joel, is that I designed the rod. Both rods and I had a company build them for me.
0: Right.
1: Here in Indiana, there was a rod maker, um, and he made um uh musky rods, which is a nice sturdy rod and very and I forget the name of it, but it was a well-named musky rod. But um and they made two thousand of the Huxley signature series, and I sold out of those in about eleven months. Uh, that's how fast they went. So then I bought, I did a thousand of Huxley Pro Series, and they were gone before I could even get them going. But the Pro Series was a lighter rod, It right. was more finesse rod. Okay, it was they gave play. You could fight the fish better and everything. But the, the senior Series was just a power rod, uh, <laughs> and uh, but it was that's the only rod I use because I can. You know, for an old man, I need every bit of help I can.
0: There you go. And they them
1: all way out there. You know. And are you
0: still using those rods today? Like, or oh, are yes. you? Still- yeah.
1: Oh yes, one hundred percent. I've got a set of my own of thirteens and a set of my own on twelves on both rods. I don't go fishing a lot. I'm going this weekend because it's getting close to the end of the year, and yeah. and and the big fish are chomping down right now, getting ready for the winter. So we're going to a new space uh a young pay laker. I uh, took him out of the pay lakes and and he loves carp fishing in the wild. And his name's Thomas Kessler. And uh we're gonna go out and hit the banks uh this weekend for a couple of days. Nice. See if we drum up a new swim that I had found. Wow.
0: Is that out are you going out of state for that? Or are you staying yeah. yeah. Okay. That's how I do it. Good stuff. I won't ask for too much more info. I know you like to keep things on the on the down low. <laughs> yeah,
1: you have to at this age. It's
0: it's it's unfortunate. If it? I mean, you had much problems with that in terms of kind of sharing sharing swims and then you know or or spots on lakes and waters and stuff like that? And it uh, kind well, of. I,
1: I've had a few people really mad at me. I'm the one who found Del Hollow in the United States. I know you've heard of Del Hollow. Oh, I fished it
0: myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was, um, I was the one who found that lake that had those big mirrors. Yeah. I, I took my wife on a houseboat trip and my kids, yep. and they were adults with kids. And a buddy of mine said, I wasn't going to take no fishing gear. This was going to be family houseboat trip, family swimming. And a buddy of mine said, Gilbert, you got to take your rods. You know that's the smallmouth capital of the world.
0: Yeah, it's a big so bass guys have it?
1: big carb, too, yeah. and I had no idea that those fully scaled mirrors was like every catch. You know, and to get a common was the rare thing there. You yeah. know, and you, you know every face, fully scaled, fully scaled, fully scaled, fully scaled mirror. You know, and yeah. then you get a, a regular mirror like. Like the people in the UK. Yeah, were just, just one stripe and the, and yeah, everything.
0: Like the, the linear scale patterns, isn't it? Yeah. What a fantastic <laughs> place it is. Now, obviously, you spent a lot of time on there though, haven't you? I mean you Yeah, I did 17 years straight. Me and Rick Slinker
1: er, a trip every spring and every fall for 17 years. And then Rick Slinker, Jeff Skelton, and myself started uh Carp R Us, um, which is a uh, it is a, a guiding system. Sure. And Rich Linker and and uh, and um uh, Mr. Jeff Skelton runs that business now.
0: Got ya. Okay. And
1: so they do guided trips out on the islands and wow. they've gotten many forties from those trips.
0: Yeah. But I mean it's a it's a water that um it's not I mean I've fished it myself, I've had some good fish from there and I, it's a pleasure to fish it. The views are something else, aren't they? It's yeah. just the, the lay of the land down there is something else isn't it it's quite- in
1: 17 years i've only got the 140 the 40 yeah. a 41 two but then i got 37 30s over 30 out of that lake in 17 years so it you know I before del hollow i've had i had 130 and then when <laughs> i found del hollow it all changed you know yeah the 37 30s and a 40 a dream of a lifetime and then i know of Five forties that's been caught on these trips that uh, we did. So Boy.
0: beautiful! That, it's obviously a place that's um, you know close to your heart, and and you know in regards to finding the place and kind of fishing it and capturing from it, it's it's quite a big thing, isn't it, to do that? I mean, it's
1: well, you know, you know, doing it seventeen years straight, and then coming to the realization that physically. I'm not able to go out on these islands and stay a week. I can remember trips where the young guys were saying, oh, man, I'm ready to go home. And I'm thinking, what? I'm, no I'm going to stay longer.
0: We're you know? just getting started, then,
1: yeah. <laughs> it, went by. I, it just sort of starts shaving off. And um, last fall was, the, was, was the, my last trip to Del Hollow out to the islands. Really? Okay because of, it's just too much, and, you know, it's not, it wasn't fun, it was too
0: much pain, you know, just the body just can't do it. That's understandable, though, but now you, you're still able to get there and, and fish it from the bank or with the houseboats? Yeah, what, what, yeah, what's the know, plan with that? You gonna...
1: Cold Creek, can't Cold Creek, and you, you were asking about giving up, you know, sharing swims. You wouldn't believe <laughs> the people that got mad at me for sharing Del Hollow. I believe it. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh i lost a couple of uh, close friends yeah. that uh thought i shouldn't have done that and they cut ties with me because of the way i like to share new swims and that's not the only one that i've shared that made people mad and stuff but you know i don't know why it is but i got to share that I
0: yeah i think I, the important it, part about that is that you know that it's one of the it's one of those sportsmen. I, I hate to kind of say it in a weird way like that, but I know, and I know a few listeners to the podcast will kind of grit, grit their teeth about it or whatever you want to call it. But it's part of being a carp angler. You either, like you said, you either share it to to the masses and people go there and enjoy it for what it is, or you don't say anything about it at all. You know, and the fact that you've shared that, you know, with other anglers to enjoy that experience is. At some point, I'm sure it would have been found and someone would have come across it. But I mean, that's quite, it's quite a thing to do to kind of say, all right, well, we come across this place, fantastic fish. And here, here you go, have at it.
1: <laughs> Good way to share it. I mean, yeah. and even with all the people saying, think about this, Gilbert, you're going to go to one of your favorite swims and someone's going to be there. And I said, you know, then that's my fault for not being on time. <laughs> <laughs> the way I looked at it. You know, if yeah. I share a place and, and I can't beat them there, then shame on me.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, that's, that's a good. I, at I think
0: it. I think it should be looked at like that across all aspects of oh, carp angling. The,
1: sharing a swim to me is a part of the passion that is within me, because right. I want people to feel and 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 feel that exhilaration when you catch a beautiful fish like a carp um, and to go to Del Hollow and God's countries and trees to the skies and, and you're on an Island and, and there's no, you know, you don't, you just can't walk go home. You got to take a boat home and then y'all <laughs> and, and to share that was I had immense joy whenever yeah. I yeah, uh, share a swim and they produce the fish and make someone's day or a dream come true. And I really believe I've made a lot of people's dreams come true with that place. Oh, and that, I, that's, I believe that's you right. with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you've got, I mean, there's guys now, that um, you know, some very well-known anglers uh, from across, uh, you know, from across in England, um, Steve, Steve Briggs and Joan, they come over, uh, Yeah, they're That's great deep. people. And they fished it. And um, even Alex and Carl. And I think I mentioned it to, before to a couple of anglers. There's been guys that have gone there and fished it just to fish it because they've heard about it. Obviously kept it off the radar from other people. But, but it's just a place now. It's just like one of those go-to places in the U.S., isn't it? It's just become right, that. Got,
1: yes, uh, a lot of people can't afford that trip. Yeah. And actually, you can do a shoestring budget and make that trip. And be on, you know, be on the bank. Now, to go out to the islands, you've got a lot of money involved going out there. Uh, you got boats and rental fees and all that stuff. But once you get on the islands, you forget about all that money that you <laughs> to get out there. Yeah.
0: Because
1: it's so beautiful. And and you know if you do the right things right, you're going to get the right fish.
0: Oh, you're going to catch, on, Yeah. Cat
1: I'd say, you know. And uh, so, <laughs> A lot of people ask me, "Do you eat the carp?" And I'll say, "No, if I want to eat fish, I go to Kroger, you know, and you know, I don't I go to the store to get my fish. I don't eat
0: go. fish." So. Do you and, do any well, other kind of fishing now though? I mean, obviously you mentioned that you, uh, you used to, you know, as a boy or when you started getting into it, did catfishing and stuff like that. Do you still do, you do any of that anymore or are you full on carp no, fishing?
1: No, I, I have no desire to even. We got a standing <laughs> joke here in Indiana. When we're in tournaments, if if you're fishing a carp tournament and you catch a carp or catch a catfish, it's minus one <laughs> okay. on your number. So it's a joke, but I'll always say that's a cat, that's minus one. You gotta catch two more to get one.
0: Yeah, you
1: know? right. <laughs> and, uh, but that's how we look at it. But no, I, I had no desire to fish for anything else except for the carp. I mean, the, the, the sport, I mean, the, the, the power. I always I always say that in my in my seminars is the power is what got the addiction going. And then after that, the passion kicked in. And uh, the addiction is when you're walking through the stores trying to buy bait. There's the addiction. <laughs> and then the passion is actually going out and doing all the work and getting ready to catch those fish. But they work hand in hand. And I've said, There's not too much difference between passion and addiction when it comes to carp fishing. It's a fine line. It, you know, they're both right there, and the addiction is it can be bad. People don't don't watch it. They spend too much money, and then the, of course the passion. That's whatever you have inside you, you know. And uh, carp fishing is, is a big, big part of my life. Has been for a long time.
0: Yeah I think a lot of people definitely agree with you on that. It's uh it's one of those things and I recently I've kind of looked at it more in that respect. It's more of a lifestyle, isn't it? Um some people mm-hmm. don't see it like that and it's just a fun thing and it definitely needs to continue to be a fun sport. But I think yes. for some people it's very much a lifestyle, isn't it?
1: Yes it is, you know, and you know, I love the way they uh, like Alex and and that young fellows, you know, they they love the catching just one mm. carp in a three-day session. Um, to me, that's slow. Right. You know, <laughs> if you're here in the United States in three days, I want 30. I want 30 yeah. fish. Uh, and you can catch that with these virgin oh, yeah. carp over here. Yes.
0: Yeah, um, and
1: that's why I really respect the overseas anglers and all these lakes. You know, I'd love to go over there and feast some of those lakes, but I think it drive me nuts to sit there for
0: three night. It, <laughs> <laughs> it might do that. It's a different. It really makes, is something different. Yeah.
1: Oh, that makes a true angler though. That if you still got passion after waiting three days, then it's never going to go away.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a whole other side of the coin. I think uh, you know Gilbert over there than it is here. It's just, I mean, for me, I think we're we're going to do another podcast on it at some point and talk and get a, a UK angler that's fished in the US, but that has got some really good insight as to both sides of the, that coin, you know, what it's like here in the U S versus what it's really like over in the UK and kind of open, maybe open up a few anglers eyes to the differences that, um, you know, that there's that, in the carp industry, people don't realize how much time goes into, right. you know, fishing for some of those fish in the UK, but then it's the same here. You, you know, there's waters here that are just as hard, um, you know, cracking them open. What bait is right? What rig is right? I mean, was that for you when you got into it? And you know, you said you started learning through through CAG and stuff like that. Did you learn a lot of rigs through CAG, or was that just kind of looking online and stuff like that?
1: No, I learned all my rigs through uh, things off the UK sites.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: and Marshall Burba is one of my partners. That young fella can tie every single rig there is. Any new rigs that come up on videos, he'll have it. The next time we go out, he's mastered it. And his rigs, catch fish when there ain't nobody else catching them. (laughs) And, you know, and it's stuff that he's picked up on the UK sites and the videos. So we always have got our ears and eyes open for anything from overseas because that is where it started. That's where the Euro gear and all the carp fishing, the passion and taking care of them and knowing the quality of that sport fish came from overseas. Over here, it, it, it was a different animal, you know. It, uh, they, they were brought here after the Civil War by General Grant, the common carp, to feed the United States after the Civil yeah. War. And But freeze drying came in after, you know, after the war, uh, you know, World War II and no longer was a carp needed as a food source. And that's right. where they sort of took over all our waterways <laughs> and, and, and rivers and lakes and stuff where you're over there, where you're at, they're managed so well that they're not going to take over anything, you know, and even if it did, you'd love it. But over here, right. the American people, uh, they think they got to go them up on the banks they got to shoot them with arrows and all that stuff. And I mm. keep telling people, let the DNR do their job. You, as an individual, are never going to put a dent in the car <laughs> population. So oh, don't yeah.
0: Keep, no way.
1: These space for no reason. And you know, that's not even their job. But I think I have a lot of people have heard me. Yeah. And i really started thinking about it. And I don't see so many fish on the banks anymore like I used to really? back okay. 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah, it's slacked up quite a bit. But they got other fish like the Asian carp, the big head carp. Right. Absolutely. That we got three, not the common.
0: Well, that's not, it. And um, I think there's that huge misconception, isn't there, between the two? And I think oh, it confuses people a lot, doesn't it?
1: Silver carp are going to wipe out our waterways, all game fish. If we allow them to grow and populate as big as they can, they're already in our rivers, and thousands jumping out of the water when you go down the river in a boat. And they have—you can't catch a catfish in that area. You can't catch a bluegill. They're all gone. They're all eaten.
0: I was going to—is that—is that that because these guys are these silver carp? They're um, dominating the spawn, the eggs, right? They're just scoffing
1: everything. They eat everything and anything. Roots. They kill all the vegetation. They kill all the roe. They just take over. And in five years, that, that river will be gone for any other population. Oh, yeah. Now, the DNR has been working on a thing called the BioBullet, which is a microscopic gel that they put in the water, and the, the silver carp and all other fish ingest it. It okay. is targeting the DNA of the silver carp to make them sterile,
0: so that in five years, Got they're gone. I mean, is that be- something that's in? Is that in circulation now? Is that happening now? Are they doing tests on that that you know of, or is that just yes. a plan?
1: I, I I talk to DNR regularly every year. Yep. Uh, and they did have some problems in, in the lab. It worked perfectly, but in the wild. Uh, it caused some other fish, uh, not the common carp, but some other sauger. A sauger went dormant and, and went sterile. Um, there was a few other fish that went sterile and, and uh, by mistake, but this is yeah. all under cold situations. Yeah, but right, in the last right. they are saying that right now the electric fences are stopping them from getting into Lake Michigan. So, um, there's DNA been found of the silver carp in Lake Michigan, but that don't mean the carp are there.
0: No, that it could means, have just transferred through the water column, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's been stopping them, but they don't think that's going to be very long. Pretty, pretty soon they're just going to bull rush it. They're going to be the numbers <laughs> are going to be so big, they'll just bull rush it and go right through it, and then Lake Michigan and all the other great lakes will be in, you know, infected too.
0: So when I mean, I mean, you think about it in that respect, it's, it's some serious danger, isn't it? Just not like you said, not just the carp, but other species also and people's lifestyles as well. You know, I mean, that could change a lot of people's life, couldn't it? For, for a long, long time.
1: Yeah. Our our children will not know the, the joy that there used to be in fishing if these fish oh. are allowed to live. There won't be any bluegills. There won't be no crappies. Uh, they'll be all gone in in ten to twenty years.
0: Yeah, it's... well. Let's hope they get to figure that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're working on it, and yeah. uh, those, those uh, doctors and those the researchers in the DNR are fine people. And they have just coming up with the with the with the bio bullet was one one thing. that perfected it is what they're doing now.
0: Got you. Good news. Oh, it's, it's a. I mean, like you said, it's a. It's a very positive thing, isn't it, in the industry? I think it's definitely clearly something that's needed to be done because, like you said, the mass growth of them is just the numbers is just completely demolishing everything else that's a, that's there for them.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I hate to use that this as a tool, but um, at the book shows, my seminars. I tried to change them up a little bit so people ever come in every year, they don't hear the same thing. Well, it got me repertory, and my my crowd started dying out. Yeah. But then I started following the silver carp and what the DNR, and all I had to do was mention that I had some news about the silver carp, and, buddy, my audience would be full. Back up. And they would listen to my presentation about the common and the mirror and the leather and the yeah. toy, you know. Now how did the young
0: um, think it? Going to talking on the subject of the conferences and and the stands that you'd put together. How did all that kind of come about? Was that through CAG as well, or was that something separate?
1: That was something separate at first, <laughs> but it all tied into CAG. Yeah. Um, the first two years, I paid for the booth myself, which was five hundred bucks. Then after that, after I'd gotten a few a few uh, members for CAG, they sponsored it. They paid for half of it, which was yeah. good, and that's why I was telling you about how much money I used to spend on promoting car. <laughs> got pretty expensive, but CAG took fifty percent of that, and then in, in about the fifth year, uh, I went to the owner um, and I asked him. I said, "I know you need. I heard you needed some speakers up on stage, and I'm a carp fisherman." He oh, he just ravished the idea of having a <laughs> carp fisherman up on stage and. And they even started putting carp in the pog trough. Oh,
0: I've got you. Okay. On they display, like to show the fish. Rivers, yeah?
1: I think. yeah. Never once did they ever have a carp until that year I spoke. And there they put go. a third pounder in there. And uh, now that. every year there's two or three 15 pounders in there. But, you know, having that and speaking that, uh, up that up and in the end of that seminars, uh, I got, got the booth free then. I do I do five seminars in the 10-day show and then the booth was free. And at the very very ending of that um wild, wild Carp company took over the booth and that's all I wanted was somebody there about carp. Yeah. And I started getting paid for doing seminars at the show.
0: Right.
1: Cash money. And I would use that money to buy different things to give away to new anglers.
0: So it kind of all really trickled and went back right into the into the carp scene anyway. So it's not
1: Yes, it is. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's great, isn't it? You hand a five
1: year no, you hand a 10-year-old <laughs> with a bank stick and alarm. Oh my goodness. It's like it, the it's joy like Christmas, is, isn't it? it
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> how they work and stuff. And I've had parents call me and say, tell me more about this. My kid has gone nuts over. And I, you know, I love talking to people like that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think I'm sure you'll probably, you know, agree with it, Um, especially down your way. A lot of youngsters that love getting out and fishing, but it's it's the next stage, isn't it? That next generation, getting them starting young in the sport and enjoying it and being outdoors. And it's part of it, isn't it, really? And it's the only way to really get that exposure out there.
1: Well, I've noticed that a lot of my new carpers never went to the Bay Lakes.
0: Oh, well, okay.
1: Straight, straight to the wild. Um, Marshall Berba is one. He's a big name here in the United States. Um, and um, he's went from hearing about carp fishing straight to the Ural. Um, and there've been many of them like that. And so, you know, uh, I came through the Pay Lake style. You know, the styles, you know, just different, different, different. Yeah. But he never, never, he never had to be exposed to that. So a lot of the new anglers are are not coming from the pay lakes because pay lakes for money, wild carpers is for the passion and catching that big fish.
0: Yeah. Right. It's got, got it.
1: nothing to do with money. It's the passion. <laughs> so people nowadays are growing that passion before they even find the pay Lake, which I liked.
0: I, I think it's the way That's to go. Great. In my mind, it's, I'm sure everyone will agree with that.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I've had some joyous times with some some young folks and and see the, the thrill and everything in their eyes and their actions and the enthusiasm they have. I can remember those days, you know, and I see a lot of them, a lot of me in them, right. but they don't have to do the battle that I had to do with all the people <laughs> laughing at me and making that's
0: fun. It. People they get it now, you know,
1: no one's ever laughed at me, Gilbert. I say, well, good. Yeah. At least you don't have to go through all that. you
0: <laughs> know. Yeah. Well that, I think that's part of it now with, uh, you know, the progression of carp in the U S it's starting to really grab a lot of people's attention and it's, it's building that, you know, people are understanding there's more to it than just, thrown out a line and like you said, just kind of making money off of it in the pay lakes or whatever it might be. But there's more to it than that, isn't there now? It's, it's a lot yeah,
1: bigger. Yeah. The gear has the got a lot to do with it. Um, you know, the Euro gear, Euro gear, I keep saying Euro, Euro no, gear.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah and, um, they see that and their eyes get real big and Oh my, what is that? You know? And, and now after about 10 years of this gear being so strong here, people already, Oh, I've seen that on TV. Yeah. I know what that is. They're not even carp
0: anglers. No, that's it. <laughs>
1: people. And they go, I know what that is. That's for carp fishing. And I love, I just, just tickles my heart okay. when they recognize
0: carp fishing gear, you know, I just, it's, changed so much over the years it's funny to hear it because obviously you're you know cent- center of the country almost you know within reason kind of a little bit off to the side but i'm you know i'm all the way over in connecticut and then you got people that are also all the way over in california yeah. and it's it's so funny that even there's so many areas across the u.s that are spread out in all the different states even then when you get around like i've had been out fishing and i've had someone come through from another state and they've seen me fishing They've been like, well, oh, I know what you're doing. You're fishing for carp, right? And I, yeah, so they. I mean, people just know now. It's like one of those things. It's kind of the new, the new normal, really. You know, everyone's out oh, there doing new
1: it. <laughs> it really is. And
0: Sighs. you know
1: what's wild about it, though, Joel, is, is that as you can tell, I, I love talking about carp fishing.
0: Oh, really? And when they
1: start <laughs> asking me questions, oh, Mr. Demo is out. You know, i They call me Mr. Demo. Because I'll, I'll I'll show them what everything does. How we tie a rig, the hair rig, and you know I get a lot of big responses with the hair rig. People have never seen anything like that, you know. And 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 it, it, the gear is one thing, but that hair rig really grasps a lot of tension from the older angler, especially.
0: They go. Like a lot of people are just so used to putting a bait on a ph- physically on a hook, aren't they? What was your take I on that when you saw a hair rig? I just.
1: <laughs> his daughter on the board on the building board. He goes hair rig. I yeah. said yeah, and I drew it right on the hair rig. And he goes, imagine that no no bait no worm on the hook. I said no, yeah. put the worm on the hair on the
0: little string you with yeah. You know. And what was your kind of first initial take on it when you saw first saw a hair rig um, set up, You know, with the bait suspended below the hook like that. What was your thought about it? What did you kind of? What was your take oh, on well,
1: it? You know, I would I would. Uh, a size four hook inside of a dough ball with no weight on the line at all and, and just have a droopy line and wait for the bump, 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 and then yank on the, on the pull.
0: Set the and hook, yeah.
1: <laughs> when I found the hair rig and the alarms, I I adjusted to the alarms and the, the rigs, uh, you know, on the rod pods and stuff, but I didn't change to the hair rig until, after I got proven wrong a few times with some of my buddies that jumped that in and started using it. And I said, well, I gotta get some of this action. So the hair rig was was got it introduced a little slower than the rest of the gear. Yeah. But you know, I'm so used to burying a hook
0: and of had to pull
1: through yeah. the old Kentucky swing, you know, and <laughs> I to get that hook through that weedy ball. You know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah you it's got to really give it some see. haven't you oh yeah you got to give it some to get it through that mm. i mean i've i've seen some of the you know the southern pay lake stuff and i tell you I was, to get my I, you know as a like you call it, as a euro angler specifically all the rigs and it's just a whole nother for me it's like a whole nother level you know when you look at that stuff all the flavorings and, and stuff that goes into it was that how it was for you all the different flavorings very secretive and stuff like that for the pay lake stuff
1: yeah, same thing with the pay lakes. It is out in the wild. I mean, even though I'm I'm sponsored by WCB yep. uh, World Classic Baits, I'm I'm a pro pro staff with them, and um, and they got a lot of flavor. So it's not hiding, and I'm really showing people the yeah. flavor, and especially the ones that work well for me. And I do videos and stuff on YouTube and show them, you know, the different things that World Classic Bait has brought to my life. And I've changed a lot of people's way of looking at, at baits. It's good to go to the grocery store and get the Wheaties and, you know, and cornmeal and wheat germ and all the things they used to buy. And the Paylakers still do. Uh, and they do buy some of the commercial baits. Um, so, And they're all at the Paylakes, all all the yeah. commercial baits are there. Oh, yeah. and, but the flavors is where it gets really, really crazy. That's the creepy. thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's what it's yeah, all about, isn't it? In my mind, I think I've seen it. It's all flavor stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is because it, you know, they use a lot of chow, in, right. in our, and you know, and they flavor the chow, and and the, the whole thing is what's the popular flavor? It's not what's the popular bait. It's the popular flavor, and you know, one year it'll be black walnut. The next year they won't even touch that black walnut because wow. they got used to it, like you said. They get smart. Oh, yeah. They get hooked with that flavor, and they won't touch it again. So every year, something new has to come out.
0: In, in the U.K., it's rigs. Here in the United States in the Pay Lakes, it's flavor. Flav- yeah, it's a flavoring. Isn't that funny sure. how that works like that? I mean, have you obviously, you know, changing from that Pay Lake style, going to a more Euro style, you fish a lot boilies, you know, your boilie sessions, or are you primarily like – particles, stuff like that. I mean, how do you normally fish? Everything. Everything okay. I use
1: it all. I use the pack baits. I use the boilies, the corns, uh, tiger nuts.
0: Yeah,
1: The whole gambit. thing is, is where I'm fishing. Some places I've never seen a boilie. I won't introduce if I'm there the first time a boilie. I'll yeah. do with the field corn for chum, cooked field corn, use sweet corn on. Then you find... What they like, then put a boilie out. Put some boilies out, and the next time you come out, you may get one. The more times you put that boilie out, the more more fish you're gonna catch each time you go. Yeah. So I'm a boilie person now.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, okay. <laughs> I shoot a lot of boilies, a lot of tiger nuts. But boy, I'll go with the sweet corn and the field corn that come in a heartbeat. It's, isn't it
0: funny how so many people really lean on just old can can of corn? Like catches so many fish, doesn't it? It's ah, oh, it's fantastic. Now you're gonna are you looking at doing any tournaments over the next you know, this coming like for next year once kind of hopefully COVID stuff moves out of the I'm, way. I'm
1: under I'm under a verbal contract with World Classic Baits. I do have to make some tournaments. Oh, wow, and okay. And I will make some. I I love them. So, uh, I miss them this year. I'm, yeah, I, I think a lot of people I, did without them. You know, I loved them. You know, yeah. but we've gotten by, and we've been going up to Lake Michigan quite a bit here
0: lately. Right. Okay. And, that's uh, pretty close to you. There. It's fairly close. As it well, is. Not, and yeah.
1: you know, you know, a twenty is the average average pounds up there, and if you got one under twenty, that's sometimes pretty rare. You yeah. know, up there, so it's a lot of fun, but it's that's getting true. really cold up north. So we're heading
0: sure south,
1: in, <laughs> just on the Indiana and Kentucky border, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend, and it's a, I'm, I've never fished this lake before, and I found it oh, a couple of months ago, and I sat on it one day for lunch, and I saw so many carp. i'm not going to speculate on the side that's
0: it well you're going to catch them fairly soon by the sounds of it
1: (laughs) it sounds like somebody threw a big old boulder in the water you know (laughs) (laughs) that's a big fish you know yeah it is yeah yeah going down i'm getting off by five o'clock tomorrow and coming home packing and leaving till sunday
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, you know what? I think you I think you're gonna do all right down there. It sounds like you're ready to rock and roll.
1: Oh, I am. Got corn (laughs) pretty cooked. We got range cubes uh, with molasses been soaking. That's a little trade secret of mine. Brady cattle range cubes. You put molasses on them and stir them up and let that sit for two days. That molasses soaks in and makes a little hard coating on the outside, not sticky at all. As soon as right. you put it in the water, it just starts leaking that molasses, and then the uh, the rain tube starts breaking down. It's great, chum, great oh, chum.
0: I'll check that out myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rain tubes, cattle rain tubes with glasses. I will get those
0: have. from uh, from the old tractor supplier. I think I can get a bag of those.
1: A uh, big water, that's a big water uh, chum. I I call that the, the yeah. rain tubes. Because it takes about 30 minutes for the range cubes to break down. Right. So, you know, you got plenty of time to do whatever you got to do uh, before the fish really come in after it. But once they start,
0: you mm. got to keep chum, chum, chum. <laughs> I'm going oh, to write a song about chum. Yeah, you should write a book on it as well.
1: <laughs> I wrote a rap song about uh, Del Hall. Oh, um, and, yeah, <laughs> one of those auto rap apps, you know, where you just read a poem and it changes it to an, uh, a rap song. Oh, uh, it was brilliant! Delo,
0: yeah, oh uh, man, what think. memory? That's it. Sounds like you've obviously got some fantastic memories, and um, I, you yeah. know, I want to say, uh, you know, I appreciate you uh, kind of taking the time out to share everything with us. I know it's um obviously a huge, you know, a huge passion for you. And, um, you, you know, the fact that you have been able to share that with so many people over the years is, you know, I think part of it, isn't it really? It's kind of, it makes it It, what really
1: it is. is. I mean, I love it. And, um, and, and you got I, I, I always give credit to David Moore, uh, with big carb tackle before big carb tackle days. And, uh, because when I met him, I saw the passion in him, and I wanted, I wanted to be just like David Moore. I wanted to catch all these fish, <laughs> And so that's when I, I joined CAG and became a state chairman and all that stuff, worked my way up the CAG. And I have learned a lot from David Moore and Wayne, Wayne Good. I mean, you know, all those guys, I mean, outstanding anglers, yeah. Wayne Boone and a good friend of mine in California, yep. uh, and I used to go to all these tournaments, and I met all these guys, you know. And even to this date, I still hear from them, even though I haven't faced with them in
0: 10 years. It's a fantastic thing, the carp community. It's it's something that's just a different ball game altogether. For whatever reason, it, it's it's as large as it is. It's still a very small world, you know. Like. Yeah everyone yeah. knows everyone everyone is very you know friendly and thankful for those friendships i think you know it's um it's a it's a great thing I that's what one of the big things that i love about carp angling in general is that as big as the world is carp angling for some reason it just brings people together doesn't it
1: it really does and a little quick story about
0: yeah i was,
1: <laughs> I was doing a um uh a story about pay gone wild <laughs> <laughs> there was a young fellow named Casey Joe, and he was a pay laker and he wanted to go wild. So I brought this video and we did some videos on it, and we caught a tremendous amount of fish. But the one thing about it is, is that, that pay laker gone wild really, really touched it out. So with all my videos. So then one time me and Casey was there down right. at Tater Ford. And there was some anglers over on this big point on the other side. I thought they were cat fishermen. All of a sudden, I see they start walking over this way. probably a half mile around the big loop
0: right. and around
1: where we were. And Casey jumped up and said, hey, my name's Casey Joe. And they said their names. And when I said my name was Gilbert Huxley, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I felt like a rock star. Uh. There was this guy saying, this guy went off and saying, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting to meet you for years. You're the reason why I'm in carp fishing there and all that stuff. And, boy, you're talking about a big head of yeah. donors and, and everything, you know. It, it really made me feel good, you know. Like, oh, maybe I cool. am, you know, a rock star. I think everyone is
0: in their own right, but absolutely. You, you know, you. I mean, for the U.S., carp scene i mean I, I think you know if you look like you said you look back in in it and you know you've done a lot for the carp community uh you know whether it's in CAG or the rods you've built for people you know that were built and get and sold to people or even just kind of um leading a direction for anglers that might not have known any better you know that in that respect i think you've done a lot for that so you know from me and i, I think all the a lot of many other anglers you know we we really appreciate that you know
1: well, you know, a lot of people have shown appreciation by just saying thank you, Gilbert, for what you've done.
0: Yeah,
1: that's, and it. It, oh, that's brilliant. Stuff. It's
0: really, really cool to hear. And all just because of carp angling.
1: <laughs> yeah, over oh, a carp angler, you know. And, and there's still a lot of people negative about carp fishing here in the United States. So, yeah. But there's, it's getting to a point where they're recognizing it as being a sport fish.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I really.
1: Really believe, maybe not in my time, but there's going to be time where it's going to be taken out of the rough fish category and oh, put yeah. into the game or the sport fish.
0: Oh, I fully I, believe it. I mean, you've got, um, you know, Sean Manning and Wayne Boone over at the American Carp Society and, and the, the many guys that they've obviously got uh, helping them kind of front that. It's along that with CAG the you know the, everything that they're portraying they're putting that you know carp in general in such better light than it has ever been and uh it's obviously some creating a lot more awareness uh it's not just about like you said not just about those pay lakes it's not a rough fish it's not a bottom feeder you know that there's they're a really special fish there's a lot more to it and that it's great to see you know that happening here so it's really really great thing happening
1: and it can happen because you know that the muskie was in the rough fish category at one time.
0: It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it
1: was. Now look at it. It's a major game fish, well, saw oh. after.
0: Very so, sought after, aren't they?
1: Yes. And, you know, with pound to pound, there's not too many fish that can outbite out the carp.
0: That's it. That's why, that's why they get so big, too, because once they get over a certain size, they get left alone. Nothing's going to bother them. They're the king of, you know, other than, like you said, the big muskie, the big pike. But after that, once carp get to a certain size, nothing's bothering them. They're just, they're king of the lake, aren't they?
1: You have you heard of a guy named Al Linder, right?
0: Al Linder.
1: Al Linder had a show no. on TV. He, he made a statement that the carp was the world's greatest sport fish. And wow. he caught a lot of flack for it. him being a bass, a walleye guy.
0: He okay. said, I'm
1: not saying that they're better fishing for any other game fish. And I'm saying is that you can actually catch those fish any place in the world. Yeah. So that's where he was getting the world's greatest sport fish, only because of the availability to every single angler in every single state and every single country. <laughs> so here, they've been ignored, and so he brought that out. So you know, it, and I use that in my seminars about the world's oh, greatest nation. Yeah, hmm. and a lot of people they've heard about Linder, you know. So it's really been a really good uh, high point in some of my seminars was talking about what some of the professional. Carp. I mean, uh, bass and yeah. walleye anglers are saying about the carp. Oh yeah, they,
0: it's becoming noticed, isn't it? Yeah.
1: They, Bill Dance knows it. Yeah. Bill Dance fishes for him. I mean, I talked to him personally. Yeah. And you know he he was raised with the bass scene, but he said there was nothing more fun than catfish and carp fishing at night.
0: There
1: you and go. He's right. He's, he's right. Bass yeah. don't fight at night much. <laughs> you know, even your tromper bluegills. So.
0: <laughs> what else is there to go for but the carp and the cats, huh? Yeah, there you yeah, go. Exactly. Jeez. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> we really appreciate of you taking the time out, you know, your personal time to, to talk to us and kind of share some memories with us very oh, special.
1: Anytime, anytime. And if anyone ever wants to a question answered here in the United States, I'm on Facebook. Send me a message. It's That's easy yours. to get a hold of me. Just yeah. do it. Oh, and I'll, I'll hook up and tell you anything
0: you need to know. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks ever so much, Gilbert. We really appreciate it. And we'll um, speak to you soon. Well, thank you so much. You know, and you That's guys right, say tight lines.
1: I say keep the slack out. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> you have a That's good awesome. one now. Take care, Gilbert. Bye for now. Okay. Bye bye. On behalf of the Big Carp News podcast, we'd like to give a big thank you to Gilbert Huxley for taking the time out and sharing some of his past moments along with his current passions for carp angling with us. For more upcoming episodes of the Big Carp News podcast, written articles, product reviews, and much, much more, be sure to check out the Big Carp News website over at www.bigcarp.news. Also, don't forget to check out bigcarptackle.com for all your carp fishing needs right here in the USA. And as always, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay carpy.